1: everybody, welcome to the session. I'm your host, Justin Crosley. Welcome back to the show. Happy to be here today with my guest. A new brewery on the scene, which I don't normally do on the show, but this brewery has impressed me so much uh, through trying their beer that I I made an exception to my normal rule that you have to have been around for a little while before you come on the show. I've got Tenma Beer Project on the show with me today. Brennan Perry, the co-owner and head brewer, is here. Welcome to the studio, Brennan. Hello. How's it going? It's going well, man. I'm really glad you made it out here. Traffic, be damned. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All the way from Oakland, you made it out. I did. Thank you for that. Uh, Before we go on, thanks to our sponsor of this show and every show we do, More Beer. My good friends over at More Beer. Go to morebeer.com and check them out and check out their YouTube channel, too. And in fact, I did a collaboration beer with them just yesterday at Oak Park Brewing up in Sacramento. You ever been there, Brennan? I have not. So... Great guys, great place, Uh, super cool location, the Oak Park neighborhood of Sacramento. It's just one of my new favorite places. It's super cool. But we went up and we brewed a a double IPA that we're going to enter into the bistro, which you (laughs) ridiculously won Last year, in your first year of being a brewer, I is, did. Is yes. that right? Yeah, with a double IPA. Uh, no, it was the single IPA. It was, it was the single IPA. IPA. Okay, okay. But well, uh... we're gonna try our hand at the double IPA just for fun. We're brewing it anyway. We're brew. We brewed a, a double IPA. We we're Nate, we're calling it Hoppenheimer. <laughs> so we're hoping it's nice. like the world's biggest the hot old, bomb. The old hop puns. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to have a, a hot pun, right? And I'm hoping we're like the first ones to think of Hoppenheimer. We'll see. Uh, but anyhow, I uh, did that with more beer and Oak Park Brewing. Super stoked about that. Thanks to the more beer guys for supporting that brew with Victory Malt, which tasted fantastic. And I can't wait to, to try the, the finished beer. All right, uh, and then just a quick announcement. Spring Brews Festival is upon us Saturday, March 30th is when it's going to be, from noon to 4. Tickets are on sale now. You can go to thebrewingnetwork.com, buy your tickets now. It will sell out. It's been selling out, and it will sell out. So uh, go to thebrewingnetwork.com, get your tickets. They're just 65 bucks, and then there's some stupid fees that Eventbrite wants to charge you. Not my problem, not my fault. I apologize for that, but it just is what it is. $65. It's about the cheapest beer fest still around. Like, I can't go to a beer fest anymore for less than 150 bucks. Um, but not mine. 65 bucks, grab your friends, get your tickets, and Tenma will be there. We will, yeah. yes. So if you haven't had their beer yet or by then, you can try Tenma, uh, uh, along with 59 of our other brewery friends will, will be there. So get your tickets now and come hang out with us. All right, well, let's get to it. Um, so, Brennan, you opened Tenma when? So, uh, we opened our
2: doors to the public, uh, I believe it was April 12th of last year. Of 22? 23. 23, yes. Of 23, now, yeah. Yeah, so we we actually took the keys in uh, basically mid-December of 22. Okay. um, Had to kind of revamp the place and get it running to basically my specifications sure it Um, was a brewery before yes it was it was a previously novel brewing company that's right Uh, they had been around for about six and a half years okay um yeah uh husband and wife running that just kind of like what we're doing now it's my wife dana and myself okay um but yeah so we had to kind of take that facility and clean it up get it to where i wanted it to be and
1: uh was off to the races you purchased the space with a brewery in it though with the brewing equipment and all that yeah, 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 yeah. So okay. I didn't really change a whole lot. Okay, um, We,
2: I mean, we kind of just put our decorations on it. Um, we made it look the way we wanted it to and whatnot. Um, okay. I moved some tanks around. The, the biggest thing was like I uh, I had to actually rebuild the entire glycol header. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so the the one that was there just um, was a little tired. Okay. Put it that way. Got it. Um, so I rebuilt the entire glycol header. Okay. All the drops and everything, and then it got the glycol chiller running. Um, so we had initially planned to be open for SF Beer Week last year. Okay.
1: But, yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because of that? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, still, I mean, an investment in that and, and, and time-wise, to get into a brewery and open and serving beer, you kind of did that in record time. So one little hiccup's not too bad.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, yeah. it, uh, all considered, you know, we, we had – this has been a project that we've been wanting to do for the last, I don't know, probably four years or so yeah okay. um at least like seriously um and so uh we had looked at building something off from the ground up you know and the if you're doing that you, you oh, know, it's like yeah. a year and a half at least you know yeah and, and a couple so, million dollars oh yeah, nowadays, at least, you know? at, yeah at least at least yeah. yeah like yeah that was basically like the numbers it's like in the millions and it was like Yeah, I don't have that mm-hmm. <laughs> so we we definitely wanted to try and find something that we could um just buy and just turn it on and keep it keep it going so were you looking elsewhere too or did you want to be in oakland so we actually um we looking at a bunch of places in orange county okay um, so i grew up in this area um, i started my brewing career here uh and then followed work ended up uh done in uh, escondido okay and then uh up in huntington beach uh, the kind of orange county area and stayed there for work there's a lot of places to
1: work so I was like no well, might as well stay here. And so we'd kind of I'm going to make some guesses. Yeah. I, I, there's, there's too many up here for me to guess. But Escondido, you must have worked at Stone. I did. Okay. All right. I'm one for one. Yeah, Huntington Beach. Hunting, oh, uh, Beachwood. Yep. Okay. All right. Two for two. <laughs> Fuck, should I try to guess up here? Up here is just going to be random. Where did you live up here? So I lived in San Ramon. Oh. Well, you didn't brew in San Ramon. I did. Oh, you did? Yeah. I'm drawing a blanket. Who's out there? Who is it? They don't exist anymore. Oh, okay. Who was it? Uh, Shoe Bros. Shoe Bros. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've completely... I think I only knew them for one year at Spring Brews, I think, yeah. and then they were... I think that i, I never heard that from, from them Oh, okay. For them. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Yeah.
2: Got it. Okay. Where else have you brewed? Anywhere? So, yeah. So, I started off uh, Shoe Bros. Yeah. Uh, I was there for about, like, two and a half years. Um, Honestly, it was just... Prior to that, I was homebrewing. So it was basically like the first step in where it's just like, what the hell is keg cleaning? Like, Oh, cleaning a tank. Oh my God. Uh, (laughs) So uh, it was definitely the first kind of foray into the industry. Okay. Um, Helped me understand, you know, what brewing practices were and things like that. Yeah. Um, And lager brewing right away too, right? uh, That was all contracted. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, So um, yeah, that kind of just got me, got my feet wet. Uh, and then from then I went off to Escondido, uh, to go work for stone. Okay. Uh, stone was one of those places that was always like, uh, like, oh my God. Of course. It's like one of my, one of the heroes for me. And especially at the time I went down there in 2015. Okay. So Mitch Steele was still around. That's what I was you know, going to ask. Like all that stuff was happening. They hadn't built Richmond yet. They were in the process of building Berlin. Okay. Um, and so they were still kind of like in there, like, you know, oh my God, it's stone. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, I quickly learned, though, that I did not like running a large production, like working in a large production at- atmosphere. Okay. Yeah. Just too, like, kind of industrial feeling for oh, you? Yeah. Or, yeah. I had no idea. So I went from a place that was really small, and, like, I knew exactly what was in every tank. I yeah, knew if yeah. I had done something to it or not. Um, and then I went to Stone, and it was, like, to put it in perspective when i was there they had 69 360 barrel fermenters oh my gosh and two <laughs> five five vessel 120 brew houses so wow, it was like yeah. i don't know what's happening of you know course you're like no, that's a factory yeah you're yeah. dry hopping a beer and you're like i have no idea if i'm ever even going to taste this right or what's going to happen so um yeah
1: i definitely uh, okay
2: kind of got Disconnected from the product,
1: and that that yeah, was not fun. Still, probably some good lessons to learn, especially from Mitch Steele. Uh, I mean, great brewer, but even though that's kind of not your thing in size. Maybe just dealing with those volumes was helpful in oh, learning? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, going from a place
2: that was, you know, just a, basically like a pub sized small thing, it was a seven barrel then, um, going off to this big production facility, like it changed my uh, mindset on beer completely. Okay. Um, I went from seeing it as just like, I don't know, you could. Just make it happen to being like, oh, there's SOPs. You have to do it this way. Right? Um, why? You know? And I, I could ask the question, why? And there'd be like somebody telling me exactly why they do it the way they do. Nice. So it really taught me, like, um, I don't know. I guess consistency mm-hmm. and like reasons for doing things. Uh, they had, they had a lab. They had, you know, all cell counting and all these things. And I understood that, like, wow, some of this stuff is <laughs> really important. Yeah. And like, if you're not paying attention, you know, <laughs> you could skip a lot of this stuff, and that may be why. <laughs> some things don't
1: taste the way they should. Yeah. In fact, I think that you find, I don't know, I don't want to say more often than not, but there's a lot of small brewers out there that don't have SOPs and don't go, you know, you know, brewing is an art, right? So that's cool. But when you leave out the science, you sort of, you leave yeah, some things behind. Definitely. Right, so Yeah. yeah. I, I would consider myself more of a technical brewer
2: okay. than um, an artistic brewer. Okay. I kind of rely on the technical aspects to get me where I want to go. Um, and the art is kind of like um, by feel on the... Just as it's going on. Yeah. Okay. All right, so where'd you go from there then? So from there, um, yeah, I quickly decided... I basically lasted, I think, 11 months at Stone. Okay. Um, you know, there's working overnights and all that stuff was crazy. Yeah. So I decided I wanted to go back to somewhere a little bit smaller. Um, so at the time, Beachwood um, was a brew pub in Long Beach. Yep. And they had not opened a production facility yet. Okay. So jewels uh julian julian yep. yeah julian Trigo yeah um he had uh, put up a posting for like a production brewer yeah um and it was when they had opened their huntington beach facility um so this was kind of like their step into the production world this is going to be the step into like distribution you know way more sure, yeah so um yeah i basically applied for the job and kept poking him until yeah. you know he, did you know him uh, before I that did not, or, yeah. no, okay. i not no i honestly didn't even know a beachwood i, okay. I did a little bit because at stone they had to have guest taps and like all the brewers were like dude there's a beachwood beer like you yeah. gotta go get it yeah you know because like the ipas coming out of there were yeah uh, absolutely mind-blowing right um so i had tried some of the stuff and um uh yeah i decided basically like um i wanted to apply for it Well, i guess there is a pretty important um <laughs> side side part to this story okay so while i was uh, working at stone um i actually had met my now wife oh she and was working there too or no oh, okay. she was living in orange county <clears throat> i see okay. so uh i was making the trip basically like every weekend to go see her and i was like man i'm done with this stone thing like i, I want to move on and it just so happened that Beachwood is opening a production facility in Huntington Beach. Got it. Okay. So I was like, "Well, now I can be closer to my girlfriend. I can work at this great place." Yeah. And so I like kept poking Jules and
1: being like, "Hey, hey,
2: hey, hey! I yeah. really want this job." Okay.
1: Yeah. And he finally gave it to you. Yep. Now, so Jules is a friend of mine uh, and, and a great brewer. But let me ask you this: I don't know if you are going to be honest or not. <laughs> I haven't decided if it would be cool to work for Julian or not. I kind of feel like he'd be a dick to work for. Okay, and here is why: because he's like he's a stickler. Like he's a fun person; I have a great time with him because we're like hanging out outside of work. But I feel like he's a stickler in the brew house. You are correct. Yes. Okay, okay. Um, he is a very uh, stern,
2: very strong personality. Yeah, um, but I guess why it worked, why I worked well, so well with him, is because. Everything he did was based on like technical reasons. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if I could provide a reason for doing something, he'd be open to it. Nice. Um. And, but that, yeah. Be, that being said, there's a lot of people that I'm like, oh, I worked for Julian, and they're like, how did you do that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought that. I love the go.
1: guy, but I I can understand that some people. Don't get him. Yeah. Well, he's, I think he's a lovely human being. Uh, he's, oh, he, we've just, we've always had a great relationship. Oh, yeah. But like I said, I also just know his personality. I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah, I don't think I could work for him though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Say that for I will say that
2: I did work for him twice. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Is you, did so you have a walkout day or what? No. Oh, well, okay. so I I, I was uh, working as a production brewer at the Huntington, Huntington facility. Um, and I had another friend who uh, worked at Taps um, in, um, I guess, Brea at the time. Okay. Brea and Corona. And they were opening up a new production facility and they said, Hey, you want to run this thing? And it was like, Oh well, yeah, <laughs> like it's a brand new 30 barrel. Like, um, there's like a $6 million facility. Wow. And okay. Like, Just, you want, you want the full range of the it. keys. And, yeah. And it was like, well, how do I say no to that? Yeah. You know, okay. and they were, and taps. And if, for those who don't know, taps was an amazing like logger brewery. Okay. They had one, Oh my God. I think I counted it at one point it was like 30 or 40 like world beer cup and gabf medals wow and a significant portion of those were loggers. okay so it was like oh cool i can work with my friends i can learn how to brew great lager and i get to run my own facility that's pretty cool it was hard to say no
1: yeah yeah, yeah. so julian must have understood if he let you back afterward yes yeah okay. yeah 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 yeah. so um yeah i was at
2: beachwood for about two years okay and then i went to taps and i was there for about three years and at the end of that that well taps doesn't exist anymore Oh, okay. Yeah. So at the end of that whole situation, um, kind of got weird. Um, the ownership basically didn't really want to run a brewery anymore. I see. So they bought Mason Works. Okay. And then Mason Works was given the keys to kind of run everything. Mm-hmm. So like overnight I, w- I went from running the entire beer program to having to brew Mason beers and not having creative control. I see. So, and it, yeah, it, and I don't really didn't want to get too much into it, but it, it kind of got weird. And I was just like, you know what? I'm out. Not your jam. So I ended up calling Julian and I said, Hey, um, I'm going to be applying for some jobs. Do you mind if I use you as a reference? Hmm. And he said, give me a half hour. Oh. And then uh, he calls me back. He's like, how about I give
1: you a job instead? Nice. And I was like, all right. Yeah. Well, easy. that's great. I wonder if he went and fired someone in that 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So. You had a lot of, this is now starting to make sense yeah. about why, how you kind of hit the ground running with good beer. And, oh, and then before I get to that, but you did say you were looking all over, but did you just not find anything down south that, that was as good of a, a, as, as what you found here in Oakland? So we actually did find something we wanted. Okay. Um, we ended up putting an offer on it and uh,
2: it just didn't work out. I see. Um, just the dealing with everything of trying to make a business deal work. Yeah. There's so much to it. Oh yeah. and. Stars have to kind of align a little bit, so we had actually put in an offer. We were working towards this thing, and it just it fell through. So I had actually just been, <laughs> funny, funnily enough, I, I actually found uh, all these breweries for sale by literally typing in Google "California brewery for sale." Really, yeah. So it just popped. Uh, there was up. like, yeah, there's a whole bunch of like, you know, it said this area, you know, brewery for sale. This area brewery for sale, and I just kept signing NDAs and okay. seeing what they were. Yeah, and so we'd actually looked at this one in Oakland at the same time as the other one that we put the offer in. I see. Um, And so once it fell through, I hit them up and said, Hey, is this still off on the table? Yeah. Um, And they said, yeah. Okay. So, and then it basically started, um, let's see. We walked into that facility, July 4th, 2022. Okay. And we took the keys, I think December 18th.
1: 2022 got it okay yeah, yeah it took took a little time but yeah oh yeah but then ready to go and just out of curiosity uh did you buy the whole building or you lease in the buildings bought what's inside we bought the assets yeah okay yeah. got that, it that's the the legal terminology got <laughs> it bought the assets and signed a lease yeah, okay. yeah exactly okay so, and, and we can use the beer that's in our glass to start talking about it. So, I, I had heard that you opened, and I hadn't tried your beer. Uh, and I had heard about it because I knew of Novel. And, in fact, for a minute there, I was going to try to get them on the show because they'd been around for years, and I never put them on the show. And they weren't answering me. And now, now I know why. <laughs> yeah. You know, they had closed And then you go in there. I go, all right. You know, well, that's cool. Um, and then I think the next thing I see before I ever try your beer, the, you win the bistro, <laughs> and uh, and I'm like, well, this is now you're pulling a win wisenhunt over here. I think he did it, the same thing, um, and I'm just like, well, that's that's just crazy. Maybe it's a one off, right? Because no one's that good when they just open a brewery, and then my buyer here starts buying your beer, and I'm telling you, Brendan, I haven't had a bad beer from you, and I don't say that to everybody. I'll, I'll tell people that their beer's great, and there's still a few that aren't that good. Everything I've had from you is so delicious. So I really think you hit the ground running. And now that I know your pedigree, it kind of makes sense, too. Well, thank you, yeah. uh, first off. Really uh, Yeah, it. I mean, I,
2: I, I definitely am uh, kind of a stickler for just being, you know, I, I, I'm not afraid to, like, dump a batch if it doesn't taste good to me. Okay, yeah. Um, so, like, if, you know, things
1: aren't working right, like, I try really hard to make things taste the way that I want them to sure and look (laughs) that should go without saying but unfortunately it doesn't I mean there's so many breweries out there and there's not a lot of bad beer out there I'm not saying that beer's gotten just so much better but there's a lot of um unremarkable beer sure you know what I mean like I'll finish the pint and that's fine now I'm moving on right I don't have anything bad to say about it but I don't really have anything good to say about it either yeah and if that were my brewery I would consider that a failure, uh, especially in today's market like yes. i don't know how anybody they do, but i don't know how they make it with unremarkable beer but every beer i've had from you i've got plenty to say about it it's you know <laughs> it's just delicious, and i it just surprises me that there's not more like it, I guess is what i'm saying
2: yeah i mean i I kind of feel the same way I think yeah. that like it's so easy to find. Like mediocre beer or you know good beer, but it's really hard to find things that like really wow me. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly always on the hunt for something that like can really blow my socks off and right, you know, teach me a thing or two because that's it's really what I I mean I do is like I learn from everybody else. I, yeah, I listen, I listen to podcasts and
1: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what are people doing? Oh, let me try that. Um, As you should, yeah, you know, um, and I, yeah, I'm kind of the same. While I'm always on the lookout for a new brewery that's that's good. I still end up with about six or seven in my rotation. Because I know it doesn't... Now eight, to be honest with you. Uh, Because I know that it doesn't matter which beer I grab, I'm going to enjoy it. All I have to do is pick which style I feel like drinking. Right. And then, you know, it's going to be from Altamont, Ghost Town, Original Pattern, Tenma, Russian Rivers in there. You know, um, there's some more I'm forgetting. Forgive me out there. Uh, Beachwood would be one. I'll buy anything from Beachwood and know that it's going to be delicious. You know, so I... Don't know how breweries don't end up, you know, wanting to to strive for that. I do think, though, I'm curious your opinion on this. Some of us, we just have blinders. Like, in other words, I don't think that all of those brewers are either lazy or, like, just going, well, I'm just going to put that out even though it's mediocre. I do feel like a lot of us can't – we don't know what we're good at or not good at. We don't always taste our own product. We don't, you know – I know musicians out there that are terrible too. And I don't know how that's worked out for them. <laughs> right. So sometimes we have blinders, right? Yeah. Like what did you do to, to be able to
2: self-evaluate your beer? I mean, I'm, I'll say that I'm, I'm my own worst critic. Okay. Um, so I'm not afraid to say when something's not good. Yeah. Um, and even so, like even all the stuff that I'm putting out currently, like I'm always tasting it and going, what can I do to make this better? Yeah. Okay. Because I, I'm never satisfied like my wife will say that all the time. She's like, "You just why, why don't you like this? Like it's great." I'm like, "No, it's not perfect." <laughs> <laughs> you're bistro IPA, and you're like, "I yeah. don't know, it's all right." <laughs> I, I, yeah, I honestly even so, like I, I I could go back to that brew log, and I'm sure I could find a whole bunch of notes of like what what should I change. Right. what's different why, why didn't this work or like how could I do this differently or something that I could find and, and
1: harp on but that's so, great I mean that's what makes a professional at whatever your profession is that's what you should be doing I, I agree yeah. um, but then I, I, I also understand why some
2: breweries can't be in that position hmm. like look I'm I'm the owner and the brewer nobody tells me what I can and can't do right you know as long as it makes like sense in the books sure I'm doing it yeah um, and so I think that like I've worked at other places that you didn't have that freedom. You know, they're like, right. well, here's the budget. So it's like, do the best that you can. Here's what you got. That makes sense. And so, you know, when you have complete freedom, you know, you, you have the ability to do whatever you want. And a lot of those times it's, that's
1: kind of like the deciding factor of, you know. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, let's talk about the beer in my glass. I got a Czech style pills, I think. Yes. What's this beer called? Uh, this is
2: carrying the sun. Okay. Um, so this is a 12 degree uh, check check pills. Um, I tried to stay as authentic as possible. Um, so this is all check barley. It's all check saws. Okay. It's a check yeast. Um, I can't decoct currently. So ah. I'll, I'll knock myself on that one that it isn't traditionally. But you would if you could? Oh, yes. Really? Yeah. I'm working towards that. You know, I mean, yeah, I have a, all these ideas in my head of like what I want to do as far as like process and equipment and all this stuff. Um, but we're new. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> opening a business isn't cheap. So, I'm, I'm just trying to get it, get the train running, get yeah. the train rolling. So, then that's we can slow you know, your roll. That's exactly. Fine. Yeah. Exactly. So like, I, I can get to this. Yeah. And so, it's like, I wanted to brew this beer. All right, you know, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Um, so, yeah, if I could, I would add decoction. Okay. And uh, open fermentation and horizontal lagering. Oh, wow. Okay. But just all traditional. Sure. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, like, that's fun for me is all all those challenges each one of those things is a new avenue that you're going to learn from you're probably going to mess it up you're going to learn from it and then you're going to be a better brewer because of it
1: nice so in this case the best you could do is uh like you said all traditional and authentic ingredients right Mm -hmm. yep um then probably some very traditional lagering techniques and uh, fermentation techniques um like like what's your, what's your fermentation temperature? What's your schedule?
2: Sure. Yeah. So this is, um, fermented. Uh, I think it was basically knocked out at 46. Okay. Fermented at 48. Um, with, uh, what is it? Why yeast? Uh, Oh God, the numbers, uh, why yeast 2278 okay. check pills. Okay. Um, and I purposely chose that yeast because it's a, like a lower attenuating yeast. Ah. Um, so I wanted a little bit of body left behind. Cause that's, that's kind of my- like, characterizes a check pills in my mind is that you have a little bit of body you have a little bit of malt character and you have a nice pop of bitterness to balance both of those is that kind of the difference between like a 10 degree pills and a 12 degree pills um they're both going to be kind of in the same realm it's literally just like you know the 10 degree is probably going to be like three nine four okay this is four four i see um you're still gonna have that like residual gravity for that kind of body okay and, and malt character um and then you have that nice pop of bitterness to kind of balance the two. Yeah. I see them kind of one in the same. And one is
1: just like the, you know, bigger brother, little brother. Okay. Sort of thing. Uh, well, as with your other beers, it is delicious. Um, it's clear. Mm-hmm. Not exactly crystal clear. No. Right. So you don't filter or
2: fine or? So for this beer, I did not do any finings or filtering. Mm. Um, I don't even have a filter. Uh, mm. I would love to have a filter. Okay, that was something that back at taps, um, like there's something about a like heavily filtered German lager. That, yeah, like there's this crispness and this clarity and this just like vibrancy that mm-hmm. you get from it. That I would love to have, but filters are expensive, so very <laughs> expensive. Is is would filtering be considered traditional anyway? um For certain styles, I guess. Yeah. Okay. No, I know. I mean, the Germans are hardcore about that kind of stuff yeah like, yeah you must remove all the yeast yeah okay, okay so fine. fair enough they're probably filtering yeah, yeah but yeah. the checks are a little bit more free okay um but yeah i i wanted to basically make sure the head retention was going to be like great on this beer okay um we have uh what is it, the lucre faucets coming mm-hmm. uh, so we're going to be pouring this beer on those nice technically not the side pole because we don't have the space for them but they have a new version that's a vertical okay so it's, it does the same thing got it um but it is uh yeah, it's like the, it's basically like a fancy ball valve.
1: Yeah, that uh, that's like a traditional pour. You've probably yeah. had uh, Bierstadt beer stat yes. beer out in Colorado there, yeah. and of course they do the slow pour pills right. that way. Yeah. yeah, and they use
2: the same faucets. There's the side pour, uh, side pull version. Got it. Okay.
1: Yeah. 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 This is fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Really good beer. Um, well, why don't we do this? Um, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back. We'll learn a little bit more about you and your brewery, and then we got some more beers to try too. So hang in there. You're listening to the session and we'll be right back.
0: The leader in affordable, high-quality kegerators is here. Introducing Comos, the kegerator designed with serious beer drinkers in mind. It features an all-stainless steel draft tower, a major upgrade over traditional chrome-plated brass towers, and Comos keeps your new tower cold with their air-cooled tower fan, wrapping your beer lines in frigid coolness. Your beer is poured from innovative forward-ceiling faucets that don't leak, so they stay cleaner for longer. Dual gas inlets on the rear of the fridge allow you to run both CO2 and nitrogen gas. Serve your beer with CO2, Serve your kegged wine or even cocktails with nitrogen. The digital temperature display has the largest range available, allowing you to use the Comos Kegerator for fermentation if you need to. And now Comos Kegerators ship with duo-tight draft fittings for that click-to-connect assembly we've all dreamed of. Buy direct from ComosDraft.com and receive free shipping on your order. That's K-O-M-O-S Draft.com.
1: Welcome back to the program. Thank you for hanging out with us today. We are still speaking with Tenma Beer Project out of Oakland, California, and I'm talking with Brennan Perry, who's the co-owner, along with his wife, I believe, yes, Um, and also the head brewer. You can go to Tenma, that's T-E-N-M-A, tenmabeer.com if you want to learn more about them. Where'd you get the name from?
2: Tenma, uh, so Tenma's a family name. Okay. Uh, It's actually my middle name. It is my mother's uh, maiden name or last name now. And it was my grandfather's last name.
1: Where's it from? It's
2: Japanese. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, um, man, naming a brewery these days.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that.
2: Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I had always kind of thought that I would want to name it Tenma. I, I, um, I, I like it because it's, it's five letters it's easy to remember right it's it's not taken you know Um, so like that's the biggest one it's not taken yeah um
1: so yeah it kind of means something to us but if you don't know it doesn't matter it doesn't matter, and that's how I felt about it. When, right. So I, I don't want to say I didn't like it when I heard the name. I just I had no feelings about it because right. I'm an idiot, and I don't know what it means. Like I didn't bother to ask, right? Now that I know what it means, I love it. I think it's great to right. have a family history name like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah and
2: I, I, I did that somewhat purposefully. Okay. Um, I wanted the brand to kind of be malleable and kind of take it wherever we wanted to if we wanted to do some like really dark stuff we could if we want to do some other stu- lighter stuff we could and like having a a name that pigeonholes you like yeah. for me it just it made me too nervous because especially in this day and age like <laughs> breweries have to move like change and pivot and like do all these things and it's like i wanted to make
1: sure that we had the freedom uh to do something like that yeah and and i like when breweries do this not all of them do you chose Beer Project yes. instead of Brewing Company or Brewery or... Why Why that? So that was actually Dana's idea. Okay. Uh,
2: Dana always kind of was pitching the idea of Beer Project. Because I like it. The way... Yeah, I do too. Yeah, obviously we chose it. Yeah. So. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, she she kind of always had the idea that it's, you know, we're, we're constantly going to be changing beers. We're constantly going to be working on things. Like she's like, you know you're not going to be wanting to brew the exact same thing over and over and over again. Right. So it's a project. It's never complete. So we're always changing we're always growing we're always you know just
1: evolving yeah and so it's the beer project i like it yeah Yeah, the first time i heard someone use that was um oh shit they're they're out of colorado but it's uh, the fermentation project okay what's that crux is it crux i know there's crux ferment. isn't wait no it's not crux but that's who that's the, the word i had in my head too I I know them well too. It's just I'm drawing a blank. But anyhow, I've liked it since then and there's a couple other beer project breweries out there. I like that Altamont chose something different too. They're Altamont beer works. Right. Um, I don't have anything against just being brewery either, but I don't know. I just kinda like it. And I think you're right that if you're especially at your size, if you're gonna be constantly experimenting and changing like that your project works great right yeah and let's talk about the size of your brewery uh, while we're at did you you say seven barrel brew house yes so we
2: have a seven barrel brew house we have seven seven barrel fermenters and a seven barrel bright okay um there is room for growth there um but uh, yeah i mean we're happy with what we have right now and that's definitely making it work okay Um, well and
1: that's kind of a question i have is like is that enough volume to make it work Uh, you know, from a, from a number standpoint?
2: Yes. Okay.
1: uh, But it
2: means that my wife and I have to do a lot. It's, it's just you two that work there now or? Yeah. We, we, we have uh, technically two front of house employees. Okay. Um, One of them, they basically are kind of just working like one day a week right now. Okay. Um, But yeah, it's primarily right now I'm, I'm doing all the production, all of the social media all of like beer delivering. Oh, right. Um, you deliver packaging. our beer too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah that's me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which can get funny. It's funny at times. Cause I've had some people like some people, some accounts don't treat their like drivers all that well. Oh no. And so it's like, they're like, we'll tell the owner. And it's just kind of like, okay. you're like, I'll
1: deliver the message. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that actually, I think it sucks and would be highly entertaining. At yeah. The same right, time. right, right, right. <laughs> um,
2: But yeah, so uh, it works because, you know, it's just the two of us. And Dana's honestly right now, she's not here right now because she's working the tasting room. Sure. Okay. Um, So, yeah, uh, it is just us. And that's the way we wanted it. You know, when we were looking at buying a business, man, there's a lot of breweries for sale right now. Okay. Um, Yeah. Unsurprisingly. Yeah. Um, And so there was some stuff that it's like, you know, we had... Realtors and like all these people being like, "Well, don't you want this one? It's got like a thirty barrel brew house." And it's like, absolutely not, right? You know, because like the whole idea of the beer project is like to experiment and to change. And it's like, dude, thirty barrels is a lot of beer. Yeah, that is a lot of beer. Yeah, because I I remember when I when I was at Taps, we had a basically a thirty barrel. We had sixty barrel tanks, and sometimes we brew thirty barrel batches in the sixties. And like even that, sometimes you're like,
1: dude. And you need it. I mean, you need a sales team to move that much beer. You do at seven barrels. You get a few key accounts, me, some others, yeah. and you can. Pr- and, and of course, your own tap room. Right. You can probably go through seven barrels pretty quick. Yeah. So that makes sense. And. So it doesn't sound like you're anti-growth, but you're just brand new and haven't figured. You know, you don't yeah. know yet. You'll see how it goes. We haven't even been open for a year yet. <laughs> G- uh, yeah. Give me some time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you, you wouldn't. You know, in five years, everyone just loves your beer. You can't make enough of it. You, you wouldn't say like, well, no, this is who we are. We're just seven no. Barrels. Our,
2: yeah. our 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 eventual goal would be to kind of like, like, where where would we cap out? You know, that's kind of like a question. You know, maybe like two or three thousand barrels a year. Okay, like I don't really see. Because you can do a lot with that. So like, there's like Highland Park, yeah, as um, a great example of like they don't really distro much or at all. Maybe I'm not sure. Either yeah, way, we have a hard time getting their yeah, beer. Yeah, it's it's very little. Yeah, and they're about like two or three thousand barrels a year. Um, and they have like a really awesome location in Chinatown, and it's like that's the size that felt right to me. Okay. Whereas like you can control most of how your beer is being served and poured, you know, and you you have like a. It's it's small enough where you can still pay attention to everything. Yeah, um, and because because I've seen I've seen
1: things get too big and like no matter what you do,
2: it's just too many moving parts, man.
1: Yeah, I've thought about like growing this place. Like in the early days, we were like, oh yeah, we, you know, we should have ten locations someday. Right. And I guess I was I wouldn't be against that. But I wouldn't be the person to do it. I wouldn't be the person to run it. Like to me, ten locations means okay. I guess we're hiring a CEO and a CFO and everything else because I'm not doing that shit. Right. You know. Right. You know? But this feels. I know everything that happens around here at the Hop Grenade, and uh, we, you know, we have eleven employees. Uh, so yeah, I can see how having a handle on your product feels good too. Yes. You know. Yeah,
2: and you know, like since we're such sticklers for like glassware and all these things, it's like. We want to control all of it. Like, yeah. I guess, you know, we're control freaks control in some freaks, way. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, that's, you know, that's why we do what we do. Sure. You know? Well, that was your
1: other brewery name if you needed one. <laughs> control, <laughs> control freaks. Well, let's talk about the beer in our glass. Sure. Now this is, so I'm a pale ale aficionado. I, not an expert, but definite aficionado. My favorite style always. Um, this you have listed as a New Zealand pale. Yes. Now, I've seen that from other breweries, and I've never asked the question. I've always just assumed, well, that means it has New Zealand hops in it. Is that all that that is, or is there an actual style of New Zealand pale ale? There's, I mean, I think,
2: man, okay, I think there is maybe in the like the, what is it, the World Beer Cup and GABF style guidelines? No, oh, wait, okay. that's New Zealand IPA. Anyways. Oh, New Zealand IPA, yeah. yeah. Anyways, no, right. I, I didn't I didn't really basically like say, oh, well, it has to go fit to this style. I brewed it pretty much like a pale ale, okay. but I just used a bunch of New Zealand hops.
1: Which ones did you use?
2: Um, so this is uh, Nelson, Nectaron, and Ruwaka. Okay. So this is actually the first beer that we've rebrewed. Mm. Um So we did this beer before. Um, this was a GABF submission um for the most recent one and um uh i yeah i was basically like hey uh we have labels for this like i loved that beer let's do it again um and so like it's fantastic thank you uh there are some changes to it um the i so being small you know i don't get to select hops i don't get to choose lots i don't do that Uh, sort of thing okay so i get what i get yeah um and so this one has a different lot of nelson and a different lot actually i lift a different lot of everything okay. um but um and do you notice distinct uh, differences in those lots
1: you yeah. know yourself yeah totally yeah. oh yeah totally mm-hmm. and it's,
2: especially this nelson is a, like a different grower so the other one was nz hops this one is freestyle okay um so yeah i mean and i also kind of changed it up because i went back as i as i do mm-hmm. i uh mm-hmm. had all my notes and i'm like what would i change what would i change and so i did some of those things and like i think some of them like I like what I did, and I see how it worked before in a different way, so it's you know again, it's the beer project. I'm here to yeah continually
1: taste change and tweak sure, yeah well, I don't know if one of the changes you made is I took this home the other day by the way, we had cans of it here too, so I, it's <laughs> like my it's kind of been my go-to pale since then um, it's super dry, yes. And I love that. Um, I like a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, too, that's not super dry. Right. Um, but for the most part, I, I like when my Pale Ale's are super dry. This is even drier than normal for me. But what I, what I think rounds it out is it's a little bit tannic. It has some tannins in there, I think, from the hops. And that to me, that alone adds back some body.
2: Yeah, without yeah, yeah, it being without
1: that. without adding any sweetness at all, right? Uh, so that's what I really I, I love that it's dry. It's definitely the aromas. Danky, like you would expect from New Zealand hops. Um, Not overboard on the Nelson, like diesel dank. That's not, that's super subdued. And I can go either way on that. Sometimes I want it to be in my face. And (laughs) in this case, I like that it's subdued. And then, of course, it's crazy tropical, Uh, uh, you know, just again because of New Zealand hops. Like that Nectaron, such a great hop, right? Yeah,
2: I'm a big fan of Nectaron lately. I'm so. The, it's in this beer we have an ipa that we're gonna be tasting soon that also has nectar on i did a collaboration with cellar maker yesterday and we're using nectaron in that nice um i i i think it's just this really interesting hop that so again i i'm kind of like a technical guy so i uh ych acquired or basically like merged with nz hops and so they now we have all the analytics of like hops that ych has for some of these new zealand varieties nice um, And so they, um, they did some research and like, there's a, what's called a survivables compounds. Um, and so like they'll just see, okay, what sort of compounds are more likely to stay through fermentation and sort of things like that. Okay. I mean, so nectarone was super high on that. And so I said, all right, fuck it. Let's just throw it into the whirlpool and see how it does. And it was, it was fantastic. It gave this insane kind of like, um, I almost say like peach skin, nectarine skin, kind of like this, like mm-hmm. kind of almost pithy kind of stone fruit thing yeah which i'm a, a big fan of which layered a, well, along with like the the rawaka and then and the nelson kind of just create this like layered experience yeah yeah so uh big fan of the um of the nectar stuff i think it's it, so good it, in like a you know a, a modern pale ale or ipa it yeah really carries that kind of fruity characteristic
1: it also, and I think this will give us a good segue into what like modern hoppy beers are to you, kind of what that means to you. But um, it has a firm bitterness. Yes. And that's not always in modern hoppy beers anymore. Like some of the pillowy, flowery, um, which I also enjoy in, in certain beers, uh, is overtaken most modern hoppy beers. This has pillowy, flowery and a firm bitterness which i like and i think that adds to the dryness
2: yes yeah and uh, you know a lot a lot of that is intentional um okay, yeah
1: you know i'm i'm playing with different like
2: water profiles and making sure that the minerals are in the right places that i want them to um making sure like the finishing gravity is where i want it and like layering in a nice pop
1: of like strong bitterness mm-hmm. um i so is that are you doing i mean you've, you 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 Probably, obviously, have a 60-minute addition, a bittering. Yeah. And and is that just normal, like, T90 hops for that? Yeah. Okay, so no, like, none of the fancy flowable products or anything like that? No. What about mid-range? Are you doing 30 or 20-minute, then, to get firm bitterness, too? It depends on the style. For pale ale, I don't think it can hold up to all
2: that layering. I think if you start to just really whack it at, like, a pale ale size, I think you can just go overboard really quickly. Okay. Um, So this is um, 60 Minute and Whirlpool. That's pretty much it. Got it. Um, And what, was the 60 Minute a New Zealand hop too? No. No, just Um, it's whatever. Yeah, I mean, I say, you know, 100% New Zealand hops, but I don't, the 60 Minute doesn't really count in my mind. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, CTZ. I just, I like the character of CTZ. Okay. Um, I've played with some other Bittering Hops. Like I like Simcoe. That's another great Bittering Hop. Yeah. Um, It's kind of like punchy, but soft still, um, which works great in like IPAs when you're trying to like really load it up. Okay. Um, but CTZ is just like a nice kind of like herbal bitterness plus affordable. Yes. Right. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like I uh, was it like $9 a pound or $10 a pound or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. This, like, this, it's this day and age, like I'm like, hell yeah. That's old school pricing right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like a lot of people are afraid of CTZ. Um, you know, like people are like, no, it's going to be dank and it's going to be herbal. And it's like,
1: yeah, you, it is. But yeah. like if you put like a tiny touch of that in, right. it adds this layered. Thing. Well, and if you're putting so much later anyway, those are going to overpower oh, yeah. anything that happens at 60 minutes. If
2: I can yeah. find, if, if there's somebody out there yeah. that can tell me what hop variety somebody uses at 60 minutes, like, yeah. and get it right
1: every time, I'd be yeah. really impressed. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So then the all three hops at Whirlpool? Uh, no, right? just Nectar on. Oh, just Nectar Yeah, on so uh, being small, yeah. uh,
2: I would love to be able to layer in whatever getting dry hopped, and like the same in the whirlpool. Yeah, but I I, yeah, I don't I hate partial bags. Okay. Um.
1: So I you know I I just don't. <laughs> Got it. Um. So just nectar on then at flame out basically whirlpool and yep. and then three hops for dry hop. Yep. Got it. How long are you dry hopping for? Um. My dry hopping
2: is um pretty short. Okay. So um I'll dry hop and then so I, there's a method that I basically kind of stole from green cheek um good place to steal from yeah uh yeah so one of the um that was like a segue one of the brewers that works there um i used to manage him at beachwood okay and he's like a pretty good friend of mine uh, max Visbeek. um yeah so he's um i, I kind of ask him questions every once in a while i mean i do know evan as well but i'm not nearly as close with him yeah um but yeah anyways so uh toilet hops come back 24 hours later i'll add like 15 pounds of head pressure um, and it'll actually push those hops into suspension. Okay. Um, and so you'll get, as
1: opposed to floating on top. Is that, yeah. So yeah, I
2: okay. almost kind of want them to float on top. Uh. I want them to kind of hydrate and then I'll basically push them in and then they'll basically drop through the beer. And it's, it's crazy. Like, so like I'll dry hop and then I'll come in the next day and I'll take a sample and it smells like it hasn't really even been dry hopped. Oh, interesting. I'll, I'll put that 15 PSI on the head, like on the head space and within 15 minutes like i'll pour a sample and it's green wow yeah so there's a lot sitting on the top and i've even like visually checked it like i'll pop open like you know as long as there's positive pressure pop open put a flashlight in and be like yep that's green okay Uh, and then i'll do that basically 15 psi for like an hour it'll pretty much drop in and then I'll open it up like in the beginning. Cause I wasn't sure. I was like, is it going to work? Yeah. I don't know, this seems weird. Is, uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> I would pop it open and look inside and be like, Oh yeah, no, it's, there's nothing there anymore. Amazing. Um, and so then pretty much after that, like I'll let it sit for maybe another 24 hours. Um, and as, more often than not, I'll basically crash it. Okay. Um, I know there's a lot of people probably out there being like, what about hop creep and all this stuff? Right. Um, I have, I use a lot of ALDC. Okay. And, you know, like, I've I, I have been fighting with hop creep for many years, and this seems like a pretty consistent way of kind of handling it. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there's some people
1: that are like, you know... But I thought short contact times are beneficial for avoiding hop creep. Do I have yeah, that, that backwards? Oh, no, I okay. mean, it
2: is. It is that way. So, obviously, okay. the longer you sit on hops, it's just going to, you know, like the enzymatic activity is just going to increase and it's just kind of like a snowball. Yeah, okay. Um, But yeah, if you can get them in there quick, drop them out, um, it's seemingly working for me. Do you feel like
1: you have to put in more pounds per barrel to in a short time? No. Okay. No,
2: I feel like no matter what, if you get your contact, like you're going to get pretty much everything you want out of the hops in 24 hours. Okay. Like I've, I've found that rousing and stuff, I'll rouse a little bit, but like for the most part, I don't really think like you're getting a whole lot. Like I think a lot of the people when they're rousing are pushing in that green matter on the top. Okay. So it's, it's like, you're not necessarily rousing what's on the bottom. You're basically like trying to get everything pushed in, which you're accomplishing with the head. A pressure. Different, yeah. A different way. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: All right. What did you tweak on the, on this beer from the, for the first one? Anything anyone would notice? Not
2: really. Yeah. I, it's, it's like nerdy stuff. Like, okay. I yeah. changed, uh, I've been playing with the, the sulfate and chloride kind of ratios a lot. Okay. Um, I have, oddly enough, been dropping my sulfate because, like, that's a big thing. Um, like, you want a big sulfate pop. You mm. want to like, accentuate that bitterness. But what I've been doing is dropping that and upping my bitterness levels. Okay. So it's, like, overall, the body of the beer for the minerals is soft. And so you can throw a bigger charge of bitterness at it because the beer is going to finish soft. I see. If you have too much sulfate, it's just, like, this ripping, bitter, lingering... Accurate, right. like
1: intense and it's just like it's too much it's it's you know it's spice on spice it's, sure. it's not yeah well maybe that's kind of what i'm picking up where i said that this is both you know can, can be so, experienced as soft and, and pillowy while also having firm bitterness which right it sounds counterintuitive it but. seems weird but yeah like I, I don't know i just
2: i was so when i first we first took over the facility um i'm used to brewing with socal water that was like most of my career okay of like you know, actually brewing world-class beer was SoCal water. And that's terrible. Yeah. Um, in order to make great lager in SoCal, you have to have RO. I like, see. Okay. You, you don't brew a great lager with city water.
1: Got it. Maybe, maybe a dorm under. That I've, would be your exception. I see. Okay. <laughs> um, but, I've probably tried some of those LA lagers. <laughs> right. Yeah. So
2: uh, RO. But man, we are <clears throat> extremely lucky. Like Oakland water is insane. It's basically RO on tap. Wow. Like, okay. Um, so... At taps, we would basically like RO cut out all the minerals. TDS would be we would shoot for like anywhere like thirty to sixty for like loggers. Okay, coming out of the tap, I'm like twenty five sometimes. Wow. So it's basically like RO. So learning how to build up um, the water profile for hoppy beer was definitely a learning like a learning curve. Okay, I tried to mimic SoCal water pretty much from the get go, um, and I was like adding all this stuff I didn't need to add. I see. Uh, magnesium, I'm like, oh, I have to have the magnesium and the sodium and all these. No, I, I just, I think if you, if it's in the water already, it, it comes off differently. Okay. But when you're adding it, it just felt, it felt dirty. I see. Um, and so I've kind of been, I had a huge amount of sulfate because the water down there had a bunch of sulfate. So I mimic that. Didn't really like how the beers were coming out. So I kind of started to pare that back down. Okay. But then I noticed our bitterness was kind of like softening up too. It's like, well, what if we just throw more bitterness? And so, like I kind of by found that you mean just adding more sixty BUs. minute ibus, yeah, yeah okay, more, more ibus, yeah. Um, and so I kind of am working on that balance. I mean, I'll forever be <laughs> working on that stuff, yeah. Uh, but that is something that um, that I found success in lately, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, another fantastic beer, and in fact, and and we have another pale ale on tap from another brewery, and, and I and I like that brewery a lot too we we both tried that and I me I had had yours first and then I went to that I was like yeah no this one's okay yours is way better and <laughs> oh, and, and by that I mean it's um and to someone else the other one might be better this is really kind of like I said it's just kind of my style I love how dry it is loves it has has firm bitterness and then I'm I think like every other beer nerd on earth right now I'm just a huge fan of New Zealand hops right yeah, so I'm know.
2: like super into New Zealand hops yeah um, yeah I, I'm stoked with all the stuff that they got coming out too um I yeah, like um I just got some Superdelic today. Oh, which, I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, it's another kind of New Zealand variety. To me, uh so I used so we had did a, also a collaboration with Original Pattern I think last week, uh which was a West Coast Pills. We threw some Superdelic in that and so I got to rub some of it and smell it. Nice. It kind of reminds me of like um like a New Zealand version of 586. Okay. Um so it's kind of like that really resiny herbal kind of thing, but like Hell this yeah. nice dank kind of berry character to it. Um and yeah, again, that one's super high on like the survivable chart. Some people don't even pay attention to that. I don't know. I guess I'm just
1: a technical guy. <laughs> but it seems like it's pretty relevant, especially if that's not even just you. My customers who know hops by name, they talk about what they're smelling like. They're all about hops. So to me, survivable is a pretty important yeah. you know, data. I you know. So. No, I, I I agree. Um, but some of it
2: is... is is. Take it with a grain of salt. Okay. You know, I'm not just going to be like, oh, well, this one has this thing, so I have to use it there. Sure. It's like, no, like the, the Nelson IPA that, that was at the bistro that I, like I used Nelson in the Whirlpool and like, that's technically by the like chart, it's a low survivable, but no way. I mean, that thing smelled amazing. Right.
1: Okay. Got it. Well, why don't we pour the West Coast IPA too? Sure, um, if you want to grab sure. that. And at the same time, I wanted to get your take on. You know, we've we've I've mentioned the phrase here, modern hoppy beers, and it came from you actually. When I was I do a little pre-interview with folks, um, so you can know my my secrets at home. And you listed that it's you know one of the things you just really enjoy brewing. But what what do you? How would you describe what a modern hoppy beer mm-hmm. is? Thank you for that. By yeah. the
2: way. Uh, modern hoppy beer yeah so i mean we all kind of well i know i did i i was uh learning about hoppy beer you know i turned 21 in 2009 so you know as soon as i could buy like all those beers like i would you know anything i was just on the hop train pretty much immediately and you know ipas back then you know you had these like just rippingly bitter and like there's like this pine and resin and like you had a hum- whole bunch of crystal malt. Yeah. And so it was just like this malt bomb. And then in order to counteract that malt bomb, you had to throw all these insane amount of hops at it. Hello, Racer 5. Ra- yeah, Racer 5, uh, Ruination. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, the original Green Flash West Coast with the purple label. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. That one, like, I remember having that and just being like, oh my God, this is <laughs> insane. Or like, like <laughs> yeah. Palette Wrecker. Like yeah, those things. Yeah. You know, and so like, um, I would say those, um, I don't know, those were really popular for a while but <laughs> it's hard i mean you can't you can't session something like that you can't you, you have one of those and you're just blasted yeah um so modern to me is kind of striking a balance okay getting something that's a little bit more lean mm-hmm. um like as far as malt bill goes i mean all these beers that i have uh they're all um pilsner malt base okay yeah so it's like cutting back on the maltiness cuz like, you know, people always say like well people used to say, "Well, you got to have malt to balance the hops." And oh it's yeah. like, eh, yeah. Not anymore, man. Like the more that I had these beers that were like slowly trending away from those things, I was like, "Man, those things are just getting in the way." Right. You know, and it's like even at like 1%, I feel like I can taste crystal malt. Okay. Um and so I just kind of cut it out. Sure. And there was some there was some beers at Beechwood and I remember Cause I remember, um, yeah, some of the IPAs that we would do the specialties. Mm-hmm. So they would, Jules was just like, you know what, let's, let's just do all Pilsner malt or like a 50, 50 blend of two row pills and like cut everything else out. Yeah. And I remember those were the beers that just like stood out in my mind of just like, whoa, right. This is insane. Right. And then, you know, because it's, uh, uh, there is technically less malt, you don't need to hit it as hard with hops. So it's, this kind of like modernized an uh, adaptation. From what it was to, you know, sure. where we are now, where in order to find the same sort of balance, you have to pare down the bitterness. Yeah. You want it to be on this lean body, but you kind of have to pare down the bitterness. Okay. Um, and I think I, I know I've gone a little far on that. Uh, There's certain Pilsner Maltz that are super light and I've gone like super light. Let's see how light I can get this. And, right. Um Uh, Tim over at Cellar Maker, he likes to call that hop soda. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Hop water, hop soda. You know, it's just like this, there's barely anything there. And so he likes a little bit more of like a, you know, a rich, like, you know, you can can go too far. Yeah. And so like, that's kind of where I want to stay is that like, I want to be ultra lean, but not so lean that there's just nothing. Sure. Nothing there. Nothing to stand on.
1: Well, and I wouldn't call them... Either yours or other modern hobby beers that I like, I wouldn't call them unbalanced either, right? Like you were saying, oh, it used to be, oh, you have to add malt to balance this and that was yeah. a thing, um, but it's not like you traded that in for oh, fuck it, now we just have unbalanced beers, right? Like you said, you 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 were pulling back the BUs right. while you're pulling out the malt, right? However, I find it just interesting, and all the beer nerds know this: you're pulling back IBUs, but you're adding more hops,
2: yeah, right? Like
1: that's the modern way to do it. <laughs> we all just went away from those, you know what was it 30 minute 20 minute mm-hmm. 10 minute and then maybe a one minute addition right? back in the day like when, the, oh when the brewing network started you know
2: so i remember brewing when i would kind of first started at beachwood at the um the uh production facility and i remember brewing a double ipa and it was mash hop first wort 90 minute 75 minute 60 minute Forty five minute, right. thirty minute, right. fifteen you know, and you're just like, <laughs> oh my god, this is insane. Yeah. You know, the beer was fantastic, but it's like like, oh man, you know, you have to have such a big thing yeah. for it for anything to handle all that hop load. Right. And so yeah, when you pare these things down, you're kind of, you know,
1: you have to be a little bit more judicious with your you right. know, well, and f- for me, it's it's actually, you know, I've been doing this going on 19 years. Uh, it's been fascinating to watch that shift, too. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think some of it has to do with hop prices, um, but I do think we would have ended up with these techniques anyway, because the consumer palette went this way. The brewer palette went this way. And once everyone realized they didn't have to add all those middle hops, I think it was like, okay, cool. That's an awesome byproduct. We're just going to add them all at the end, maybe save in a little cash. Uh, Of course, then now you're putting in, what is it? Four pounds per barrel is pretty common, (laughs) I think. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, yeah,
2: I guess, I guess, you know, what I will say about that is like, you know, you're trying to shift where balance lies. You know, like a great okay. example for me is like Czech pills and German pills. So like in my mind, they basically have the same amount of balance. Like mm. they're they're basically, they drink very similarly. Yeah. But the Czech pills has a higher finishing gravity. And so it needs more BUs. The okay. German pills is finishing super low. So you need less BUs. And so it's like these, where, where are you shifting? As long as you're like keeping the balance together, you can kind of shift these things wherever you want them. I see. Okay. Well, let's use this
1: beer as an example. So I've got your West Coast IPA. What's this called? Uh, This is Universal Consciousness. Okay. Um,
0: It is,
1: uh, you know, it's not super yellow, but it's on the lighter side, um, right where I like it for my IPAs, by the way. Um, Is this 100% Pilsner malt? uh, No. Okay.
2: Uh, This one, I want to say, is 60-40. So 60% Pils, 40% um two row okay uh i i think yeah i don't know okay (laughs) i mess around so much i have a hard time keeping track of all this stuff um but yeah this one was uh something else that i kind of been playing with to to find that balance and figure out where i can load these beers uh full hops it's like finishing gravity Hmm. so like like um some of them finish super super low okay and i think that that kind of is where you can tip into that like pop soda realm. Yeah. Uh, like if it's like in the one five Play-Doh rank, range, it can kind of be almost, there's not enough there to hold up. So this one, was, I was trying to push it up just a touch. Um, Are you adding sugar? No. Um, None. Okay. So it's basically just like mash temps. Um, What's your mash temp? Oh God, I don't remember this one. Um, maybe 151, 152, something like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it just pushed it just to, just enough to finish right around like two Play-Doh. Got it. Um, and so, that allowed me to add more bitterness. So it's kind of like, again, striking that balance. Um, cause I think having something too thin and not bitter, it doesn't necessarily drink like an IPA. Yeah. You, know, you kind of want to have that, that bitterness. You want to have like a bit of a body to it. You, cause then it, otherwise it just kind of feels like a big pale ale. Yeah. I agree with that.
1: And, uh, this is maybe a dumb question, but like carafoam or anything like that for head retention? Um, uh, wheat, I
2: use wheat a lot. Some wheat, okay. Yeah.
1: Just like white wheat, normal old? Yeah, yeah, just malted white wheat. Yeah, okay. Got it. And what about yeast on your, on your hoppy beers? Oh, oh, one. For So same with the New Zealand pale ale? Yeah. Yeah, so you just want it clean. Yeah. Do you, do you ferment those temps low to keep it super clean too? I do, like, yeah. Like where at? I'm not super low, like 65. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you said that. Because <laughs> <my, laughs> this collaboration beer I did just yesterday... I'm not a brewer. Like, I have, I will say this, more brewing information has come in and right back out of the skull than most humans on Earth, right? Like, so many interviews, so much good information. Right. And it stuck, 65 stuck out in my head, but I didn't have proof of it, and so they were asking me my input on fermentation, I was like, you know what, man? I just, I want the hops to shine, so I think 65. But I, at the same time, I was like... But if you're not seeing good fermentation tomorrow, you know your yeast better than I do. And I'm sorry I fucked it up. Right. But to me, because they were like really like 68, I was like, I think 65.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm for, I
1: actually have a double IPA fermenting right now.
2: And I actually have it at 62. 62, okay. Um, I just, I mean, I just didn't want to, I don't want that boozy thing. I just don't, I don't like, I don't really like double IPA to begin with, honestly. Yeah, Um, okay. But I don't want, like the last thing I want is it for it to be hot. Okay. So I, right. I started off 62, and I'll, I'll ramp it up and get it probably up closer to like 68 by the end.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. And and it's uh, Cal Ale you're using? Yeah, is that you yeah, yeah, yeah. Like White Labs. White Labs actually? 001. Yeah. So and that's the other thing, like. Um, Chris's voice is what was sticking out of my head because he's like, Oh, dude, you can almost lager with Cal Ale. Cal Ale will just do its job at almost any temperature. Pretty much. But I I do think brewers are still fearful. Like, well, what if it doesn't just start taking off? And, you know, so. Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, that's what I thought. I've seen some
2: crazy things in my days. Um, Like, I've seen um, at Beachwood, we had a a beer, basically. um, I don't know what happened. I think the temp probe failed or something like that, or jackets got stuck on. It was a double IPA. We came in, it was at 58. Okay. And then we honestly just like let it go and it warmed itself up and it tasted fine. Right. No could tell. Yeah. So like Cal was a workhorse, workhorse, <laughs> yeah, which absolutely. Yeah, by the way, I, I get all, well, not all of it, but pretty much all my yeast from either Ghost Town or uh, Original Pattern. Oh, you do?
1: Shout, shout out to you guys. Because you need such a small amount? Well, yeah. And it's yeah. like,
2: they're like, yeah, I'm going to dump like seven barrels of yeast down the drain. Do you want, it's like, Hell I might yeah. as well get, I'm like- maybe pulling like two and a half gallons like yeah you know they're not even it's like
1: it's either going down the drain or or you can come get some you know Dude, that's fantastic yeah like because you know yeast like everything ha- has gotten expensive yes. and you know so uh, chris white's a friend of mine and and, and a mentor of mine um, and it's just one of my favorite people and i've talked to him uh, extensively about different types of yeast and and the cost of yeast too and He's aware, you know, yeast is expensive, expensive for him to produce it. And there's a lot of brewers I talk to, they're like, yeah, no, I'd love to use White Labs, but I don't. You know, the the I can get it cheaper. And I'm like, yeah, and I can taste it in your beer, too. Yeah, <laughs> It's like one of those. Exp- so for you, I'm glad you don't have to make that expense. That's right. like really awesome for you because you I do think people should be using the best possible yeast they yeah. can get by the way white labs isn't even a sponsor anymore uh <laughs> this is just my honest opinion through tasting beer i mean all of my favorite beers use white labs you know i so okay so i've i've gone through
2: all my iterations of quote unquote Calo yeah um yeah. i've been at breweries that are like we don't use white labs and it's kind of like okay <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah, man yeah yeah like uh so you know i've gone through like bsi and why yeast and you know, even dry yeast, USO5, like, um, they all kind of have a different character to me, at least. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, no, I feel I like they have to, I feel like 001 has a different kind of character and like somebody had said something, there was like, it's a higher glycerol producer, which adds body. Okay. Something like that. So you can like load it up with more hops. I don't know. I may be just speaking out of my ass, but, Who knows? um, Chris knows, yeah, right, yeah, he does. I don't, <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I feel like like when I I was having issues with hoppy beers at other breweries, and we were like, this just doesn't this doesn't just taste right. Like something's missing. Every time I would throw one O One, I'd be like, there it is. Like is it's, that's it's, what's it's, missing. It's, it's that's what that's what it is. Yeah. Um. So thankfully, I have two very great friends. That's so awesome. <laughs>
1: what hops are in this IPA? Uh, Mosaic, Mosaic Cryo, and Nectaron. Nice, yeah, that's a good combo. Yeah, again, firm bitterness, uh, very tropical, in my opinion, uh, pithy, like you said, even about the right. last one that that's carrying through in this beer. Um, very dry, mm-hmm. uh, but with plenty of backbone for those hops. Right. Uh, yeah. This is this is a delicious IPA. Thank you. Uh, also, not filtered. No. Oh, don't oh you mean, don't have a filter. Yeah, but what filter. about fine? Yeah, yeah. So I'll yeah.
2: find all the all the um, hoppy beers. I think that. 001 just doesn't drop clear like y- I see. Y- y- you got to throw something at it or else you just can have yeast and then all your kegs and it's just gross yeah um so yeah findings biofine okay
1: nothing fancy it worked yeah this is this is a great beer
2: yeah and so uh i try so we pretty much always have like i try to always have two west coast ipas on tap like almost all the time okay and so like in order to differentiate those i actually try and create one that's like more bitter or I'll create one that's more fruity. Okay, and this is the one that's more fruity.
1: More fruity. Yeah, I could see that. I would like to try. It. It'd be cool to do a side by side with the more bitter. Um, I'm going to come down to the tap room. Yeah, and
2: please check do.
1: It out. Do you think you do you have more hoppy beers on than than lagers at any mm, given time? No. Opposite. Or? Yeah. Oh, is that right? So, right now, I think
2: so. We have twelve taps. Right now, no, it'd be fourteen. I think we, have four. we have sixteen total, but I only have. Uh, I think fourteen going right now. Okay. Um, at one point, I think we had twelve beers on tap, and six of them were loggers. I see. Yeah. So I yeah, loggers definitely like where my heart lies. As much as I love hoppy beer, yeah, like I could spend so much more time brewing lager. I see. Um, yeah. We like right now. Do they sell as well for you? Yeah, surprisingly. Okay. That is something that's super new for us. So SoCal. Oh my god, you 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 couldn't pay somebody to drink a Schwartz beer. Wow. Okay. Um, whereas like here, like we we canned some Schwartz beer and it was like, Oh my God. Like we sold out of this way faster than we thought. Like we thought these, whatever. Yeah. I don't remember how many we did. Yeah. We thought they were going to be around forever. And it was like, well shit, we should have done more cans. Like, right. Damn it. Like whatever. know yeah, That's the forever. The brewers will, every brewer yeah. is
1: like, how much do we do for cans and drought? Oh of my God. course. Yeah. You never figure it out. Um, well, you know yeah. who's a good example of that too is uh, that you've already mentioned is original pattern. Yeah. What I love about Andy down there is that, of course, he's putting out IPAs, hazy IPAs, everything he has to. But I think on our shelf right now from him, you're also going to find a, an amber, a rice lager, a black lager. Like he goes into all those other styles, and I commend him for that. Oh, yeah. You know, and our customers buy them too. You know, maybe we're buying one case of that and we're buying two cases of his hoppy beers because that's just how sales go here well, of course but the one case still sells and yeah. and people are stoked that those styles are out there again yeah because for a while they weren't out there at all no oh my god <laughs> you know?
2: yeah, yeah yeah when i was first getting into craft beer i mean there was that stigma it was like no lager Ugh, like right macro and it's like that has nothing to do with it yeah you know yeah um so yeah i i try and keep um a bunch of different loggers. i have Right now it's like, you know, January, it's
1: slow, slow, slow time. I think, sure.
2: I think I have five loggers in my tanks
1: right now. Okay. Nice. <laughs> nice. And you'll do like a traditional, they got to stay in those tanks yeah. for what, seven weeks? It
2: depends. Okay. It depends on the style. Like um, for the bigger, higher ABV ones, I want to give it more time. Even more. Okay. Um, But yeah, like, so uh, the schedule pretty much is pretty much about like a six week turn. Okay. It'll be like uh, maybe seven actually, because it's basically like two weeks primary um, and then I'll slow crash, which takes about you know, anywhere from like six or seven days, something like that. Okay. And then I'll hold it for like three or four weeks. I see. So okay. yeah, six, seven-ish kind of is is where I find the sweet spot is. Um, I've also h- held stuff just for how long can I hold this for? Right. Where's diminishing returns? And um, yeah, it's kind of right around there. Yeah. It's okay. Any, any longer for like lighter beers and you're not really seeing a whole lot. Okay.
1: And... I don't think I've noticed a hazy IPA from you. We do. Oh, yeah. you do. Okay. Yeah. 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 Got I, it. I, so you're not against that in any no, way. No. Okay. No. 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 Uh, um, you brought all clear tonight, and everything I've taken home myself from here. Oh, that could have been just because I focus on what's clear. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I've taken home.
2: So. Yeah. No. I mean, we. I do it because look. I mean, <laughs> it's 2024. It, like, yeah. like saying like, mm-hmm. oh, hazy. Oh yeah. It's for like, sure. Come on, man. Like.
1: <laughs> so in fact, I'm so we're we're so on the same page, Brennan. That uh, for years uh, for SF Beer Week we've done a hazy versus clear event. Oh yeah, where we have people blind taste. We don't tell them the brewery. We g- give them like a unfortunately it's like a paper cup. Cause it's all we can find. Yeah. So that you know if you really looked down in there yeah, you'd figure it yeah. out. But anyway, we wanted them to choose, and we've had a lot of fun with it. Um, this year I was like. We have to stop having this conversation. Right. So we just switched it to our East Coast versus West Coast. Okay. And we're getting East Coast breweries and West Coast breweries. And my hope actually is that we, we get an East Coast clear IPA oh, that wins yeah. I w- it's still going to be blind in the sense that you won't know um, who the brewery is sure. but now we can give it to you in a proper glass because we don't care about hazy matter, versus yeah. clear we're just doing a east coast versus west coast well, because nice. yeah I really felt like I mean it's still interesting occasionally to have the hazy versus clear conversation but I'm over it and I think so are others Yeah, and I also think it's time to stop bashing it a little bit because I don't want to insult my customers so all the brewers I know they don't want to drink hazy beer, and neither do I. But who cares? My customers do, yeah. and I don't want them to feel weird or bad because we're around bashing hazy beer. No, <laughs> I want it, them to feel respected about their decision to like hazy beer. Right. So that's why I'm kind of over it too. You know. I agree, and I, I think a lot of it too is like, well, so we
2: talk about modern IPA, right? And a lot, of, I feel like a lot of where the modern West Coast IPA pulled or like came. Like came to be, yeah, is because of hazy IPA. People are lock, like knocking down bitterness. They're they're just dry hopping the shit out of it, and I feel like that's kind of what led West Coast IPA to be kind of where it is. Yep. Um And so I think that like to say, you know, you love
1: modern West Coast IPA and you hate hazy IPA. It's like, no <laughs> well, yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, that's an excellent perspective and an excellent point. And some brewers have taken that to extreme where they're like. I can make that. I'll just make it clear. It's going to taste the same. Happy Hops is an example of that from Russian River. He's okay. he's told me, um, we brewed that beer to prove you can have a juicy beer and it can be clear, right? But at the same time, I think you're right. To do that, you still took cues of why people love the hazy beer. Right. And and then I get the argument, well, then why not just keep it clear? But anyhow, well, I yeah. think you're right. There was a lot to be learned and, and a lot to be learned about the consumer palate because I think you turned a lot of non-hoppy beer drinkers into hoppy beer drinkers by perfecting hazy beer
2: yeah you oh know, yeah so. Oh, dude the amount of people that i knew that were like i hate ipas totally they're like oh I'll never drink that and then they're like oh, have you heard, have you heard of like hazy ipa and it's like
1: <laughs> yes i have thank you yeah, yeah 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 okay so you'll brew them it's yeah. just yeah yeah nothing, yeah and, no you know like
2: uh they don't sell like we sell more way more west coast than we do hazy um yeah us two here now yeah so and we but we still have a lot of people that will just come in and crush them and it's like great like i'm happy to have something for you absolutely you know like I am a purist in a lot of ways of like, oh, you know, like my Czech logger, like I have to do it this way. Right. But like, you know, at the end of the day, you still have to keep your people happy. Sure. You know, and um, if if a hazy IPA and bring a pastry stout is is that, then uh, I'll do it. And I'll do it my way. You know, I want it to taste good to me. Yeah. You know, understanding that what those styles are. I think that's where you can kind of get weird in, in, in a weird place is if you're like, I'm going to make... I'm going to make this style, but I want it to taste not like that style. It's like, well, okay, that's you. But now your customer
1: is confused, and that doesn't make any sense. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about confusing customers, (laughs) and we're going to talk about confusing taproom owners, too, because this is what happens with – because you're right. I'm going to brew this style, but it's not going to be like that style. They don't fucking call it that style. You're listening to the session. We'll be right back. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Their website features real-time inventory, which means if you can put it in your cart, they can guarantee it'll ship the same day by 4 p.m. on weekdays. Want easy and simple electric brewing? Check out the new Series 2 Mash & Boil, featuring an elevated grain basket so you don't have to calculate sparge water. Williams also features the full Kegland line, everything from Brewzilla to Maltzilla and a huge selection of duotite fittings. Looking for a kegerator? Look no further than the Kegland Series X and Plus kegerators, which feature 4 and 8 keg capacity in a compact footprint, and free shipping to the lower 48. Interested in distilling? Look up their proven Williams American bourbon and brandy kits, as well as complete distilling equipment packages and conversion kits for popular systems like the mash and boil, anvil, and the Grainfather. Check them out today. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection. Welcome back to the program. Thank you for hanging out with us. We are still speaking with Brennan Perry from Tenma Beer Project. He's the co-owner and head brewer over there. You can go to tenmabeer.com and check it out. And uh, we're going to talk about one of our Mutual pet peeves here about the industry in a minute. We're also going to talk about the incredible Doppelbock that's in my glass. Uh, like I just crushed that uh, that IPA. I didn't. I don't often finish all the beers in here, not because they're not good, but we, we got to get through so many, right. right? I couldn't stop drinking that IPA. <laughs> so I assumed that that was going to be the pinnacle of our night until I just tasted this Doppelbock, which is just amazing. So we're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, first up, hey, a couple of sponsors I want to remind you of. Uh, my good friend and great brewery over at the 21st Amendment, Sean O'Sullivan's Brewery, Sean and Nico, uh, great people. Their Fireside Chat Winter Ale is still out on the stores. Grab it on the shelf. It's at. My local, I know that. I've brought home a six-pack myself recently. Uh, It's a winter ale with spices and cocoa nibs. Uh, It's one of their specialties. They do great at that beer. So go check it out. The 21st Amendment Fireside Chat. You can go to 21st-amendment.com if you want to look up their uh, availability. You can check it all out over there. And uh, if you see Sean out there, tell him I said hi. Okay. So... Let's just, let's get this beer talked about. Sure. Because uh, it's just that first sip was so like bold and rich. And uh, like this is a really incredible, complex Doppelbock to me. And I thought like, okay, well now that aftertaste is never going to go away. <laughs> it totally went away. I'm like ready for four more sips already. Yeah. Tell me about this beer. Uh, so this is, um, honestly, it's a pretty simple beer.
2: I know it says it's 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 a complex beer, but it's, it's um, I want to say a 50-50 split. Of Barker Pills and Barker Munich, sorry, Uh Wireman. Barker Pills and uh Barker Munich, uh, okay. uh, yeah. okay. and, uh, um, and then I think there's a touch of like Carafa Three or something for just because I wanted it to that that dark color, yeah. Uh, but that really doesn't add a whole lot of flavor. Just a, maybe a touch of that kind of like um, I don't know, chocolatey roastiness in the back. There it's, but it's there. But it's basically just like a two malt beer. Okay. Um, the color is perfection. Thank you. In my yeah. opinion. Uh, boiled. Oh, God. I think I did like a four-hour boil on this. No kidding. Because I just wanted that like big melanoid and big Maillard character. So um, is this
1: another one that you would have decocted yes. then if you could? Okay. Yeah. So that's sort of in lieu yeah. of that. Exactly. That's kind okay. of what I
2: did. Yeah. So the, the first beer that we tried, um, I boiled again, I think, for like two hours. Wow. Because um, I want that that character. And I have a direct fire kettle. So okay. I am getting some pretty heavy like boiling and Got i let i left that burner rip the whole time
1: wow um so yeah um so i think that's where i'm getting a bunch of that complexity then yeah it's yeah, just okay. this
2: kind of layering thing i think i actually did a step mesh on this too um wow so good uh yeah i i don't have a way of heating my mesh but i'll basically <laughs> add like boiling water okay um slowly and make sure that it gets all mixed in um but yeah, i'll basically like do like a a low uh beta rest and like a high alpha
1: okay um and then, are you losing a ton of beer in a four-hour boil? No, I planned for it. You do. Okay. So
2: even even though I boiled down, I still watering back. You're still creating the melanoidins, even if you okay. water it back. You know. So like, it's just
1: pretty concentrated.
2: Yeah, uh, it was I concentrated, see. and then I just watered up to hit my gravity. Okay. And then just send to the fermenter. Fermented Easy enough. 3470, uh, 48 degrees. Um, yeah, let it let it ride. Okay. Um, Does the variety of hops even matter in this beer? I did use um, Pearl or Perla, however yeah. you want to say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I it was like kind of a, a higher alpha uh, German hop. It was like nine alpha or something like that. Okay. I didn't really want that much hop flavor in it. I think this was just an like a like a ninety minute and a, and a thirty minute edition. That that's it. I just yeah yeah. I, that's how I like to brew lager. Anyways, I think like for all my like pills and stuff like that, no whirlpool hops. Um, like as basically a start of boil, 60 minute, 30 minute, 15 minute, if it's a pills. Okay. Um, but I want those like low alpha hops boiled forever. Got it. I think that that creates that kind of hop character. Um, the, when you, when you, I don't know, there's something that happens when you boil these, boil these hops that just like <clears throat> create this layer and just like this, like staying
1: power. Okay. Yeah, this beer is amazing. This is one of those styles where, if brew—I think we were talking about this off-air about another brewer friend of ours. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of beer styles out there that I that I might not order, right? but if somebody brews a world class version of it the difference is so incredible that right. you're like yep i'm going to go ahead and have another one of those right uh, you know i think we were mentioned like maybe a brown ale you and i wouldn't like select that first but if wild fields gives us a brown ale we're uh, like yep that's yep. amazing i'll have two exactly and this Doppelbach, i think is a version of that it's a, a, a style i enjoy a Doppelbach. i I might have a Doppelbach once every 2 years, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's right. probably when I'm in Germany. Um sure. but this like this is a beer that changes my mind. This makes me want to order Doppelbock. Well, like, thank you. Like I just I think that's the difference when someone really nails a style. Like this is really true to style, right? I mean, yeah. would you say there's anything really different about this than yeah. I'm not doing it. I mean, it's yeah. all German malt, all German hops,
2: <clears throat> German 3470. Yeah. I don't really know what else to. Yeah, no. <laughs>
1: It's just such a great, like, tiny, I don't even think roast is the right word, but it's that tiny roast, little, tiny little bit of chocolate, and it's all in the back. The mm. front has kind of a, a plummy, mm-hmm. um, great, like, malt character. That's what I was afraid was going to stick around too long. Right. But then it doesn't. Yeah. Uh,
2: man. Yeah, it finished, It finished. I mean, low for a Doppelbach. It finished at, like, four and a half Play-Doh, mm. um, but there's enough bitterness and kind of like like um roasty malt kind of thing going on that just balances everything out yeah um yeah i kind of was going more for that like like creme brulee like burnt sugar kind of thing that there you go. that wasn't super
1: like cloying yeah do you did you do you use like candy sugar or anything no, no it's just no, no. the malt right and then the, those melanoid yeah that's it Ugh, it's so good <laughs> that's a that's a fantastic beer when what's it called uh,
2: monochromator. Okay. Yeah. So if, all the for those who don't know the, I I think that every
1: doppelbox should have an Ader at the end. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Like what the celebrator and the. Water, yeah. Y- yeah. I love it. Uh, okay. Well, you you just you you nailed it with this beer. Like I said, I thought the 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 universal consciousness was going to be the pinnacle of our interview, but <laughs> no. Um. All right. We don't have a lot of time left, but. I wanted to talk about kind of a mutual uh, annoyance of of yours and I's. Right. Um, And that is, you described it as, or maybe I honed in on this, like misleading beer labels or or beer names or beer styles. But like where brewers kind of, there's two ways that it happens in, in my opinion. We can be misled, like you said, just before the break, like by saying, Oh, I'm gonna brew this style of beer, but it's not gonna be anything like that style. Right. And I'm like, okay, because it says it says brown ale, but it's not a brown ale. <laughs> what am I ordering then? <laughs> then why does it say brown ale? And the second way to do that is just to not clearly state what the beer is anyway, like regardless of the style. And this usually happens with IPAs. Yeah. Just put on the fucking label That it's hazy or not Yeah And the problem with that is And I I can hear an argument In the back of my head That some brewer might say Like well it's still an IPA I just put IPA on there Here's the problem I have to sell that beer to my customers and because we're a cool establishment my customers care what we think about the beer so they ask for our recommendations and I go over to our can fridge for them and they're like is this they're holding a beer in their hand a can and they're like is this beer hazy and it doesn't say anywhere on it and I'm like your guess is as good as mine <laughs> I, and, it, and it pisses me off to be honest Yeah. like just tell
2: me what it is. Right. I guess like, what what are you hiding? What are you hiding? Um, Yeah. And I, I, for me, it's one of those like, look, it's just, I want, I want to make sure my customers are happy. Yeah. You know, like I want them to be as informed as they possibly can so that they can make the right decision. Right. Well, you know, sometimes that's a, that's to a fault. And some people are like, there's so many words. What the hell does all this mean? (laughs) Yeah. That's It can happen. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I want them to know what, they're going to get for the most part. Yeah. You know, of course you don't know everything, but um, I want them to pretty much know what they're going to get. And then, you know, if they don't like it, that's fine. But right. they can't blame me for being like, well, you didn't say it was
1: this or that. And like, I don't, I just feel like it's, it's misleading. Yeah. And there's, and there's no reason for it. And I don't, I, the, the word misleading is what's happening, but I don't think that brewers are trying to mislead their no. customers, but I just want them to know, You are doing it inadvertently anyway. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of my thing. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I want to know exactly what the beer is. Right. By the way, I I think it more has to do with what company the beer is from and not what's in it. But there are ABC laws about a customer needing to know what they're ordering. I do think it has more to do with um, the brewery. So like places like mine that don't have... uh, decorative tap handles from every brewery. Oh, right. We, you know, we go by number. The ABC initially rejected that. They, right. they, they said customers have to know what they're ordering. They have to know that the beer you've given them is the beer that they ordered. And like I said, I think that more has to do with like what brewery it came from than okay. like what style. And the way we got away with it is like, oh, well, the number on the menu coincides no. with the number on our tap. Right. And they said, okay, that's fine. As long as there's some way to tell number one is a number one. And so there are some legalities around, like, tell us what I'm ordering. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. You know, but I do think, and you were kind of saying before the break, um, it's okay for brewers to mess with styles, right? You have to. Experiment. You, I mean... That's but just be careful what you tell me it is.
2: Right, well, and if you're gonna do something weird, just tell me. Yeah. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I like innovation. Like, that the whole point of craft beer is to constantly push the boundaries and make, you know pushing things in different directions. And that's, that's what we do. That's, that's why it's fun. That's why people like, you know, drinking craft beer. But I think that like leaving that out is, you know, like why, why would you go through all the effort of, of pushing a style and making it experimental and then not telling anybody? (laughs) It feels like, you know, like you went all through, through all that effort, man, just, you know, own up to it. Just be, accept it, you know? Yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah. I I guess a lot of this comes from my, um, like, I'm like, I do a lot of research and like whatnot for a lot of these like classic styles. Yeah. Uh, the information's free, it's out there. Right. I'm like, listen to some podcasts, read some articles. You know, you don't have to pay for some of this stuff. Like, you just, it's out there. Do your research and like, do the best that you can to try and re- recreate that. And like, that's what I do. That's what I put a lot of energy and t- time into. Yeah. And so I, I guess that's just why, you know,
1: why I care about it so much. Well, and it makes it. And like I said, I, I, I glommed right onto this because as a retailer, it's I think it's a real issue too. Like, well, here's another example. Let's say that you brew this Doppelbach just like this, but at the last minute you were like, you know what? I want to add a shitload of cocoa nibs to it. Right. I want to see what a Doppelbach is like with cocoa nibs. I'm pretty confident that your can would then say Doppelbach with With cocoa nibs. (laughs) Right. And
0: like, (laughs) so that I don't get home and go
1: like, what What the the fuck is that? Yeah.
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know, like, and that's, that's again, it's like that customer's perception. Like, I, I'm not saying don't make a Doppelbach with coconut. Yeah. Do whatever the hell you want. Exactly. But if you right, right, right. say it, then like now that person's going to know, right. you know. And it's like you you run a risk of like say if you did that and didn't tell them, and you run a risk of them not liking it and
1: not liking you. Exactly. And so here's the good news. I do think it's more rare recently. Yes. The, and I like, certainly with like labeling hazy, I, I've noticed many more of our cans are now pretty clearly labeled. So that's the good news. So maybe this little rant of mine is more for the just the handful of you out there who think it's part of your creativity to call a beer one thing, but make it something else. And I don't want to stifle your creativity. I just want you to list the something else. Yeah. And I think that's what you're saying too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think it's fun too. I think it's how you engage your, your, your audience, you know? Yeah. It's like a, like I did a pre-prohibition pills and it's like, I brewed it with corn and cluster hops and all these things. And it's like, you know, I didn't, it doesn't change the way the beer drinks. It doesn't matter, you know, but, but it's fun for me to tell the people about it. It's like, hey, I did this research. I did all these things. I'm happy about. I'm, I'm stoked on what I did, and I want to tell you too. Yeah, you know. And it's like I think that that's like a selling point in some ways. Totally.
1: And I, like you said, it it just could hurt your brewery in the other sense too. Especially like maybe you're not a very educated beer drinker, and you order something that has some strange ingredient. You don't even know what it is. Maybe it was allspice, right? But you're like. Right. Uh, I'm never drinking a brown ale again. Yeah. Because this brown ale had allspice in it and no one told me. Right. (laughs) And they're just like... that's sad because, like, maybe
2: they really like brown ale. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, like, don't hurt... Look, the industry's having a tough enough time as it is. Right. You know. Which, by the way, can I just say that? We're running out of time, but, like, don't you think it's kind of a ballsy move to open a brewery at all right now? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Just wanted to get that out on the table. Yeah, yeah.
2: No, I... You know... my wife and I had been uh, pen to paper for, yeah, I mean, probably, I think it was like end of 2019. We had been talking about it for years. Okay. But I think pen to paper was end of 2019. Okay. And we were like, yeah, we're going to do it. And we're going to do a big. And like, you know, we were going to, we were thinking about going to get investors and building it from the ground up and doing like the whole thing. Yeah. And obviously in March changed our minds a little bit. Right. Um, So yeah, it's it's insane. But I've been saying I wanted to open a brewery since probably 2011 when okay. I was homebrewing Yeah. And so it's like if I don't do it now when right. And like we were at a I mean like everything kind of just fell into place, you know, we we found this place in Oakland and um we ha- have family up here and it was like we could probably have a free place to stay and like it just kind of all came together where it was like eh, I think I think we're going to regret this if we don't try.
1: Yeah. Well, Well, first of all, I'm glad you did. I do think you lucked out finding that location. Yes. But I do also think um, that your model is the right model for right now. Yeah. That hyper-local, small, like you're not a nano, so you're not so small that you can't make any money at all. Um, But you're not so big that you can't, like I even mentioned before, just get a few solid accounts and you're good to go for a while. And I think that despite craft beer not being the darling that it once was there's still plenty enough who need want and love a local brewery of course and then on top of that if everything you're putting out is great like it is (laughs) you're really stacking the deck in your favor because there's others that i would say all this stuff about i'd say all the same things small local blah 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 but if it's not stellar and i don't want to tell my friends about it don't bother yeah like, that's part of craft beers marketing is, hey, dude, have you had Tenma's beer yet? Like, I've had that conversation in this tap room <laughs> over the last couple of weeks. Uh, people ask, hey, what's a, what's a good new brewery? And if your beer's remarkable, you're going to get mentioned. And, like, you you have to be part of the conversation. So I'm just saying, I, I do think you lucked out with your spot. But uh, despite headwinds, I think your, your model and your beer works. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really means a lot, you know put a lot of time and energy into this. Sure. It's great to hear that people enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Well, that is about all the time we have right now. I do want to remind you, go to beersmith.com and get your free trial of the best brewing software out there. Beersmith 3 is the version that Brad's on. Brad's been a a friend and a sponsor for a long time, and he just makes a great product. And in fact, I think the brewery I brewed at yesterday uses Beersmith. Home brewers use it, pro brewers use it. Go to beersmith.com and um, check it all out because it's... It's great stuff. Do you have anything coming up at the brewery you want to make sure we tell anybody about? Um, so. Your
2: anniversary's coming up. Yeah, our anniversary is going to come up um, towards the end of April. Okay. Um, I want to say it actually lands on. Well, we're doing it this year, or the, for the first year. Uh, doing right. it on uh, uh, 420. <laughs> You're doing it on 420. Nice. Yeah. So. I know. You're going to throw a party? What are you doing? Yeah, we'll probably. Um, probably have some beer releases um i think the the idea this year is that like i'm not really want the type of person to brew like all these crazy styles and be like what bigger beer can we brew this year now yeah. i'm gonna brew something probably two beers that that i know are gonna sell well okay and then probably do some sort of like merch tie-in with it too okay nice. like a one-off shirt or something like that and yeah kind of have it you know just be like a here's your package deal and and then yeah we'll have we'll probably have um like a food truck out and stuff like that so nice um we haven't ironed out all the details yet but yeah it's looking like it will be on the uh 420 Okay
1: (laughs) And are you guys Open every day At the tap room Or Right now We are open Wednesday to Sunday Wednesday to Sunday I'm asking for myself here, not just my listeners. I haven't been to the tap room yet. <laughs> yeah. And now that I know I could have 16 ish of your beers. Right now, I'm gonna come it, down. It, it goes between like 12 and 14. 12 and 14, yeah. okay. Yeah, I want to come down and check it out. And I always wanted to see the building, honestly, when it was novel. I, I just, I only knew of them because I drove by one day. Oh, and I, yeah. I thought that the storefront looked really cool. Yeah. And I liked the name and their branding. And then I never went back. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to come check it out as, as soon as I can. Yeah, well, please do.
2: Uh, Dana will definitely be there.
1: Okay, excellent. And you're, you're either in the back or delivering beer, probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most of the time I'm there. Yeah, okay, excellent. Well, go check them out. And, of course, go to, uh, where is it? Tenmabeer.com. That's T-E-N-M-A, tenmabeer.com. You can learn all about it. Find out the location. And... You know, I I can't promise you that it's always going to be at the Hop Grenade, but it's very, very often going to be at the Hop Grenade. We love your beer. So come on out here if you want to try some Tenma. It's on tap right now, and I believe we have some cans uh, here too. So, yeah, keep getting us that beer. We'll keep buying it, man. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget, Spring Brews Festival is Saturday, March 30th. You can get your tickets right now on thebrewingnetwork.com. Tenma will be there, as will 59 other breweries. It's going to be a great day, as always, and I'm looking forward to it. All right, folks, take care of yourselves and your beer. The Session is a production of The Brewing Network and brought to you by More Beer. Check them out at morebeer.com. Find more content and live video of this show on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash brewing network. For sponsorship opportunities and information, please reach out to advertising at thebrewingnetwork.com. To reach our hosts, contact feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com.